most of you know now, this, this is our eighth edition um, of the Talent Waste Show. And we are on a mission to find out if talent waste exists through research, statistics, our brilliant guests each week on the Talent Waste Show. So what is talent waste? Talent waste affects organizations across multiple industries. It occurs when employees leave an organization prematurely or regrettably, as Richard and I were just talking about before, uh, due to that business not being able to, to retain them. Some of the key statistics that the Office of National uh, Statistics have actually published is incredible. 30, between 30 and 45% of employees leave organizations within their first year. And the CIPD published reports to suggest that a bad hire costs in excess of £12,000 a year um, to each, uh, for, for each person leaving. So some huge amounts of business inefficiencies. And we're on a mission to, to, to find out whether or not talent waste actually exists. Last time out, we had the seriously impressive Manuel Heislinger from Samsara. We talked all things talent and how important things like communication can be, leading teams, being open and transparent with employees, giving uncomfortable feedback, or having, as Samsara called it, courageous conversations at a crucial, uh, uh, are crucial for the success of any type of team. The show goes out live on Crowdcast and, of course, LinkedIn. So most of you will be watching uh, via them two channels right now. Um, so please interact uh, and ask questions uh, to, uh, uh, to to myself and, and to Richard as well. Um, you can also catch up via YouTube and uh, and as a podcast. We're now delighted to say that we're all over Spotify, Anchor, Radio <coughs> Public, and of course the Pocket Cast as well. So you can't get enough of the Talent Way Show. Uh, you can find us on the socials on Insta, on LinkedIn, and Twitter at Phoenix Fifty One. You can also follow me as well at Lee McQueen or Lee McQueen, and check us out Phoenix Fifty One.io. But nonetheless, let's get to why we're here today. Today, my guest is the epic Richard Matthews. Richard has had a stellar career so far in talent acquisition uh, and leadership, not only on the recruitment side, the likes of Wilson HG, but also client side with World Bank of Scotland and now being the head of talent of the Cooperative Bank. And we are very, very excited to have him with us. I'm delighted to spend the next 30 minutes well, let's be honest, it might end up being about 40, 45 minutes with <laughs> Richard Matthews. Richard, welcome to the Talent Way Show. How are you getting on? Yeah, good. Thanks, Lee. Thank you very much for, for having me. In, in true Northern style, it's just started raining. Thunder and lightning has just started. So, yeah. <laughs> what can you do? You welcome mentioned... to the North. Welcome to the North. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Well, look, I mean, you know, as I said before, we are on a mission to try and find out whether or not there is a substance, if you like, in my claim that there is a, a another global pandemic going on here, um, which is talent waste. And, and actually, you know, what, why, why me talking about it? I want to have experts to talk about it, And there's no better expert out there at the moment in talent acquisition than yourself, Richard. So delighted to have you on. Um, for those who haven't met you before, just tell us a little bit about you and who you are and what you do and, and, and the kind of experience that you've had. Brilliant. Yeah, th thanks, Lee, and, and thanks for that, that introduction. Um, so I guess in, in terms of kind of background, um, I've worked in, in the agency side, RPO, as you mentioned, and now uh, kind of in-house uh, in, in several roles as well. So my, my kind of background goes back to uh, a traditional kind of London recruitment agency, uh, a well-known brand at the time called Jocelyn Rowe, um, which were, you know, investment management, asset management kind of specialists on, on my side. Um, and, and seriously fortunate to, to, to work for that firm. Um, so many of their kind of values are kind of carry forward today. Um, 
hopefully uh, I'll, I'll talk a lot more than I normally do on, on today's show, but, you know, generally around kind of listening, really kind of taking, a, um, you know, taking the time to really understand clients and candidates and, and, and people in general. That's why we're all in the, this industry, because we actually, you know, enjoy talking to, meeting with, whether it be virtually or, or face-to-face for a beer or whatever, uh, of people. So um, careers transitioned from there, um, moved up to, to the, the sunny Northwest, um, and then you know, got approached by one of my clients at the time, RBS, to come in and, and work for them. First in-house role, really kind of different and uh, loved, loved working for, for, for RBS, such a, you know, a, a good organization. Was going through real challenges at, at the time as you know, 90% of financial services firms were. Yeah. Um, and then you know, obviously transitioned to uh, the RPO side, which I think gave me a really, it's interesting to go from in-house to, to RPO. I think there's so much that you take with you. You really understand what, um, what kind of clients are, are, are kind of looking for and, and, and all about. Um, you understand that external view and how, how important it is, whether it's agency or RPO. Um, and now, obviously, just really fortunate to be, you know, I don't count myself as, um, you know, as a kind of an employee of, of, of the bank or anything else. I'm, I'm a custodian uh, of our kind of talent acquisition function. So I'm looking after it for, for the next person that will follow me. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll continue on the upward trajectory that we're on. I absolutely love that. I've never heard that before, a custodian of the talent acquisition uh, function. I absolutely love that. And, and actually, it brings us probably onto our first talking point, really, and getting, getting into that kind of talent waste piece. And we were just talking before in, in, in the green room, before before we come on uh, live on air, your viewers, um, uh, about, you know, is there is there a, a, another pandemic? And it, it does talent waste exist? And you were telling me, uh, Richard, that you've got some, some really good... Um, uh, processes in place already at the cooperative bank but just talk to me a little bit about kind of how you manage that and just give some of the viewers and some of the listeners an insight into how you've managed to kind of retain if you like such a high number of staff in year one yeah so so i think it's i, I think the talent waste does absolutely exist um it's such a great great topic and um you know i think you know not only have we got kind of COVID going on and candidates adjusting and hiring managers adjusting to a new kind of working life. But, you know, we've had Brexit. There's so many kind of industry changes at the moment which make it really interesting. Now, from a, a, a candidate perspective, I think, um, you know, one of the things we, we do really well, and when I say we, I mean, you know, the kind of recruitment team is, uh, and, and hiring managers because everyone has a pl- part to play in it. We're, I would say we're, we're fortunate, but also we've really kind of cultivated a really strong EVP. Um, it's so, so important. You know, we, we um, as an organ, organization have, um, you know, we are the original kind of ethical ethical bank. You know, there's so much that we, you know, we, we stand by and those values, you know, do emanate throughout the organization. They're not just a marketing tagline. You know, if you think about things like, uh, things that are happening in the kind of industry. And if you think about, um, everyone kind of talking about waste in, in, in general. Actually, we've been kind of beyond carbon neutral since 2007. So, you know, there's, you've got, you've got it's, it's just such a, such a strong brand from, a, from an ethical perspective. You know, when we're looking at, um, when we're looking at the kind of candidate side of the things, you know, when we're looking at uh, kind of attrition and, and where we're up to, we've, we've measured it because it's such an important, um, you know, statistic. We want great people to join us. We want great people to, to feel that they can bring their best selves to work. Um, we want them to feel supported. And I think, um, 
you know, actually hiring managers during the interview process do, do a great job of, of, of actually kind of explaining that in the day-to-day um, kind of field and approach. And when we're uh, going through a kind of a, a recruitment process, my, my team are, 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 are brilliant and, and fantastic in terms of, you know, really having detailed conversations. You've got to be authentic. You've got to be uh, honest around challenges that you, you face as an organisation, whether it be technology or product or uh, culturally, what, whatever it may be. Um, so I think, you know, that honesty and transparency and authenticity has to ring through everything that you, that you do. Um, now, in terms of kind of statistics, we we measure we measure attrition. Uh, we have a, as you kind of mentioned earlier on, a regretted lever um, yeah. approach, um, which you know, got, you bring people in, you take so much time. This is important because it's it's someone's life. It isn't just you know a, an employee or a colleague. It's someone's working pattern. They're you know they're buying their first house or they're you know, they're uh, starting a family, saving for a wedding, whatever it may be. And actually their working life and enjoying it has a big impact on people around them. Okay. Um, so I think, you know, when we're, we're looking at attrition, we currently measure it uh, in terms of a regretted lever. Our target for this year is 13.5% across the organisation. We're currently tracking at 9%. So it's, so it's great. Um, we're obviously doing something right. But I think that's when you look at the, the organization as a whole. Um, there's some key hotspots where, you know, attrition is higher. Uh, yeah. And I guess they're the challenges that we're facing at the moment is looking at those. The, the, them key points of where attrition, I think you're going to get that in all businesses, aren't you? But, you know, your experience would tell you that and your wider team as well. But you know, do, do you think COVID's had an impact on, I, I'm, I'm not going to ask you, do you think COVID's had an impact on business? Because of course it has, it's infected the whole world. But do you know? Do, do you think it's had an impact on the regrettable levers? Do you think people are kind of st- their staying power is because um, you know of the core values of cooperative bank that you've just talked about, and actually how you measure them people coming in, or do you think COVID's also have an impact on people not leaving or people not not looking to to, to join the cooperative bank? Is there a, is it has there been a um, an effect on COVID? Do you think during the last kind of 14, 15 months? Oh, that, there absolutely has. I think any organisation would have would have would have felt it in terms of COVID. I think we're probably at, um, you know, obviously I've kind of um, worked through, you know, the layman's bother crashes, other financial kind of crises. I think this is probably the most challenging time from a candidate perspective um, that we face in the industry. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, you look at um, even, you know, even kind of, you know, virtual interviews. You know, from a technology perspective, there there isn't really the um, commitment of, of buying from a from a candidate side, you don't need to put as much um, personal commitment in to to attend an interview, to you know to put put that suit on, get ready, put your makeup on, get ready to to, to kind of go out there. You know, um, obviously you're everything's kind of done virtually at the moment, so you know you can easily you don't have to take time off work to to go and interview. There isn't any of that kind of awkwardness. You can kind of fit it in around your day job. So I think we're certainly seeing this feels kind of industry-wide from kind of peers i'm talking to but we're certainly at at a point where you know there's there there seems to be less candidate commitment so you've got to move fast you've really got to hook them in you've got to have a compelling story and why someone you know does want to join you i think the other interesting thing from a a covid perspective you know the great thing is it's opened up probably the uk market in terms of where people are um, where people work the flip side on, on on that in terms of you know uh 
operations or organizations like ourselves, which are predominantly Northwest focused, but with, with hubs and locations around the UK, is, yeah. um, you know, our, our, um, our talent, our great talent that we have in, you know, we have in digital spaces or our areas across the bank, actually, you know, they're, they, they're getting targeted by everyone now. It's not just kind of local local talent. and Manchester is yeah, yeah. everywhere. For everyone else, it's kind of opened up. So, you know, I suppose headhunting or people opening up to different opportunities, like you say, that were, were, were just focused around a smaller catchment area now, UK-wide or even global. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And then, you know, you, you kind of, um, you look at the hiring manager, uh, process in terms of and we've got some some brilliant hiring managers that you know really convey um you know what the bank stands for really really well uh and in an honest and transparent and authentic way but you know when we're looking at one of our key metrics that we we also focus on is that time to offer how long does it really take us to to you know get the advert out there go live with it really try and hook people in there try and you know do the kind of video in in uh video interviews Actually, the the branding and everything we've kind of changed and we're trying to develop this year is also the video. You know, really trying to bring our role and our organisation to, to to life. So, you know, industry standard is around thirty five days time to time to offer um, in working days. You know, we're currently tracking at twenty one. Um, this this, day, which is, which is easy. this is easy, Richard, isn't it? it it absolutely, it absolutely, I wish it was, I wish it was, it, you know, cer certainly easier than other things I've got going on in my life, but um, uh, uh, as we discussed before we came on, but um, I, I think, um, you know, when we, it's down to, it's down to the team, it's down to team, hiring managers, really moving quickly, really understanding the markets that we, we, we play in. So, um, you know, targeted approaches, really looking to um, get people in, move quickly, you know, all those things that were super important before, but actually over the last 18 months, two years, we've probably had our fingers burnt. We've probably lost some great candidates in yeah. risk or finance or, or legal or wherever. And actually hiring managers have felt that you had COVID on top of it and, you know, they, they want to move quick. They no. want people in. I mean, there's some of the statistics that, that, that you guys are running and, and the fact that not not only are they really impressive in terms of the statistics themselves, but actually the fact that you're tracking all of these key things as well is, is absolutely fundamental, isn't it? To get in the right team, the right process. Is if you if you know where you can improve, that's how you can improve. Would that would that be fair to say? So actually, it, it, that improvement becomes natural process in, in in what you've got going on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it, it's it's imperative for you know for me. I probably look at data way too, way too much, um, but you know it's it's a balance between using technology and using the powers of technology but but not letting that that rule you we can't afford to you know technology do everything for us in terms of you know the candidate you know there needs to be a manual intervention it needs to be a really strong one so i think you know um yes yes we do it right but it's 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 the team and we don't always guess it right um so it's, it's definitely not all rosy but you know, the desire is there from the team to, to do the best with it. I completely agree. I mean, you know, obviously you're you're talking to a man who's completely biased around t uh, data and insights, you know, with, with our business, Phoenix 51. It's exactly what it does. But, you know, what, what, what we've steered away from uh, specifically is making sure that, uh, that, that there's AI that's making the decisions. What we actually want to do is make the humans still have the decisions, but actually to have 
better insights, better data insights. And that's where technology can help and support to make sure, uh, to make sure that we've got the better hiring decisions or um, line management decisions around our people, whether or not that's against their key values or their key behaviours or the key competencies per job role or overarching in the business that they're in. So that then data, that data and then data insights, that, that for me is, 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 is a, I suppose it's almost like a basic requirement and it, and it frightens me actually when we talk about talent waste again, it frightens me that there's so many organisations out there that are still not utilising or using data and insights to make better informed decisions. And it's something that you guys uh, took on really, really quickly, wasn't it, really early? Well, it, it definitely is. I mean, we I think over the last year, hopefully a lot of organisations are, are, are focused on it a, a, a lot more. It's, um, you know, it's, it's imperative that you understand how, how can you how can you manage any kind of business, not just from a resourcing perspective, but... You know, you look at um, you know any any business you want to cut down on waste, you want to reduce what's going out, and you want to you know retain or bring in uh, you know extra talent or extra kind of quality, and that works in the same way. In the, I guess in the kind of financial side of things as well, you you want less waste. You know, I think um, you know one thing is making sure that it's it's not me that that makes the you know i'm not the you know the the oracle in terms of making decisions in terms of technology and and everything else the team are heavily involved in that hiring managers feel that as well because you know there's 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 no point in utilizing technology if if a we don't understand it and we don't understand the decisions that it's making so back to your point lee in terms of ai um you know there needs to be that manual intervention and understanding because um you know, a hell of a lot of time. I think it's, you know, it's it's too easy to fall back on stuff. Um, and you know, I think we need to we need to understand what the AI is telling us. We, we yeah, what that decision is. Yeah, and why it's made that. You know, the the, the clever algorithms or whatever it might be. But be able. To, it's a little bit like you know, and I'm sure we, we'll get onto this as well. But psychometrics, so situational adjustment test and personality uh, profiling and you know that's that's great but if you don't know how to read the data then then it becomes quite a useless task you know it's great to have them in there but actually why are you having them in there you know what what is it telling you is it a tool to be able to use when you're interviewing somebody and actually once you can read that data then you can start to use that tool and utilize it but it, it, at the end of the day it's still the team or the human human intervention that ends up making that decision now, I think there's such a huge amount of um, work now going on, probably over the last year, 18 months, probably longer, around diversity and inclusion and kind of that unconscious bias. I think I think the benefit of using AI-led technology is that, that actually there is no human bias because because the, the technology is, is kind of, it's, it's a zero or a one, right? You know, to come back to the real basic form of data. Um, but but whereas actually using human inter interaction uh, alongside technology, you can then start to track whether there is it an issue with unconscious bias, and then start to address that problem. So instead of eradicating it, you can start to address that problem. Now Lee, hire manager, he's hired thirty people over the last three months. He's always hired the same types of people. Well, we can see that pattern now. So let's have a conversation. Let's work out whether or not the, the, the you know there is an issue there and and if there is let's work it out does that make sense is that sort of it's, how yeah, it does. Data? yeah it does and it's, it's such a such a great point because i think you know um by using kind of ai and technology and, and we and we do do that in, in certain areas across the bank actually you know it probably opens us up to um different talent pools as well so you know you talked about kind of diversity and you know when I, i'm kind of talking about it at the moment it's you know it's a lot more around 
you know, yes, you know, we have to do everything correctly and, and need to be bringing in people from, you know, from every different kind of background and, um, uh, uh, and everything else. Hi, hi Megan. Uh, that, that, was <laughs> that was Megan just to come yes. in and say hello. Hi, Meg. Uh, Megan, for everybody out there, Megan Meg, uh, is my social media marketing person. So she's done a brilliant job and she's just popped in to say hello. So, so forgive us, Richard. Well, no, no. And, and a big thank you to, to Megan as well for the support she's provided me over the, over the last kind of few days. So um, I think, um, yeah, you know, back, back to kind of, uh, I guess, kind of AI, you know, it, it, you can use the data to really highlight trends. Is there a different pool of candidates that's out there now? Can we... Um, you know, let's let's just you know in terms of boss tax let's really take back do we you know early careers do we need a, a 2-1 do we need a you know a, a, a red brick university we need to focus on social mobility totally. you know, because i think when we're looking at um you know when you, you talk about kind of talent waste and one of the key things we, we you know i'm really kind of focused on in terms of kind of looking at and i think as an industry we need to focus on more you know it's, it's probably less on skills uh and it's much more on you know, attitude. coachability. Yeah, attitude, meta skill. Coachability. Yeah, oh, exactly. huge. Totally, it's huge. It's huge. Um, you know, and I think, got any, you know, anything to a certain extent is, is is kind of teachable or coachable. But someone's got to have the will to do it. They've got to you want got. to want yeah. to learn. You know, uh, and you don't always, you know, by by wanting to learn, I don't always mean kind of learning to progress, but I mean learning for your um, your own benefit. When I go back to you know, the start of my kind of career at kind of Jocelyn Rowe. Actually, one of the things we, you know, we did there and had some fantastic mentors, you know, the likes of kind of Tom Forrest and, and obviously Nabila Sadiq, who's the kind of MD there at the time. Um, you know, actually homing down and really understanding what corporate actions were. What did it mean? What did risk mean? What did the technology mean? Um, so I think, you know, it, it's kind of, we've got to look at, um, that coachability, that desire to learn, to understand, to really challenge things as well. And I think that's where ultimately you'll get to a better place. I could not agree more with you. I think, you know, that emerging talent piece is, is something that's been close to my heart for the last 10 years. You know, I've been lucky enough to set up a business called Raw Talent 10 years ago. Um, and, uh, and, you know, that focus on that, we ripped up the resume. You talk about Red Brick Universities and two ones and that type of stuff. We, we ripped up the resume and we said, to, to, to our clients, let's hire based on attitude and behavior and competency. What, what behaviors do you need in this job role? What, what, what attitude of individuals do you need within your, within your teams, within your business? Let's focus on that because actually, especially in an emerging talent world or early careers world, you, know, you can teach a lot, of that, a, a, a lot of that, develop the other stuff. You can't teach desire. You know, some, sometimes we're working on an amazing project at the moment with, uh, with um, Phoenix 51 and and, and and more talent, two businesses actually at the same time, whereby empathy, compassion, you know, it's, it's, it's a profession, it's a vocation of, 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 of uh, um, you know, of, of where they are in terms of their career. And these individuals have to have that. If they don't have that, you can't, you can't teach that. You can't teach to want to help somebody. It's, it's a, it's a natural piece. Do, do, do you agree? So, you know, there are, yeah. so I'm getting a bit on my soapbox uh, for, for no, sure. No, that's, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, that is absolutely crucial. And that's one of the reasons why we started to look. We've got some questions coming in from, from LinkedIn. So we're LinkedIn Live. So thanks ever so much, everybody. David King mentions, totally agree with you earlier about candidate commitment. 
Um, it's an all-time low. When you said that earlier, it's very tough in the mo at the moment with, uh, with the commitment from candidates. And Rob Green uh, is talking about the role of NATS in the talent, uh, in talent retention, how the right product can actually help you keep the best people. Again, talking about them insights that we've talked about, hopefully we've covered your point off, Rob um, and, and David, when we're talking about them insights and data points and really looking into that, not using them solely in making your decision, but using them insights and data to, to make better hiring decisions or better considered decisions. Um, so I think that's, you know, especially in that, that early careers or that emerging talent, we, we were very fortunate enough to have Rachel Barr on our very first show, the Talent Way show. Yes. Um, I don't know if you know Rachel, but uh, Rachel was the, used to be the global um, uh, head of, uh, of resourcing for TPI Cap, and now she's the global talent director for uh, SNBC Bank. Um, and she uh, she taught, I, I worked with Rachel in the past, and really, she really changed the mindset and the way of hiring early careers within TPI Cap globally. I mean, we took this to through the UK, through mainland Europe, through the Americas, and to uh, uh, you know, the APAC region, and, and actually utilizing attitude, behaviors, and competency and train for skill. And it worked brilliantly. So I totally agree with your, um, your philosophy around that. Yeah, no, I, you know, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. It's great to hear it. And you know, you know, hearing kind of Rachel's uh, comments on that kind of previous podcast, completely, completely agree there. There's, there's so much more to do. And we're just kind of just scratching the kind of tip of the iceberg there in terms of that change that we're seeing. So we're seeing it in terms of social mobility and, uh, and, and kind of background. And, you know, the focus there is, I, I guess, you know, take, taking it kind of really kind of on a basic level, you know, if you've got uh, a candidate who, um, you know, has had to work three jobs, has maybe got different stuff going on, you know, has really had to, he's maybe a kind of first generation, you know, in terms of kind of going to university or studying at the, at the level they're at. Um, you know, God, it's just so, so impressive to then bring those people in and just watch, watch everyone kind of fly. Once you kind of take away some of those, those kind of challenges that they're kind of facing, I think, you know, we, we see it in terms of kind of grads and early career schemes. And I think, yeah, the industry is doing a, a, a great job in terms of kind of changing there, which I think, you know, is can only benefit everyone. No, I completely agree. Uh, we share. We said we wasn't going to mention this, so we, yeah, the viewers and listeners can work out which teams these are. But we, we share something common in in football, uh, myself and Richard. And uh, um, it's quite interesting. When I use football as an analogy quite a lot in the work that I do and, and the work that we've got with emerging talent and the tech business, things fifty one when we're plugging in is actually you're looking for a striker, and ultimately that striker wants to score goals. That individual wants to score goals. But even though you're looking for a striker and that individual uh, needs to score goals, there's still a cultural element. Do they fit within the football club? Do they fit within the fabric of who you are or the style of play? You know, this is exactly the same in business, is it not, Richard, in the sense of, you know, you've got to understand the fabric of the business, the why, the purpose of who we are and what we're doing so that actually we can start to find the right people, share the same values or share the same beliefs. You know, my, my, my experience tells me that, you know, when you find somebody that's got, you share the same passions or you share the same beliefs with, typically you're going to end up building a longer term relationship with that individual. You know, whether or not that's a business level, a football level, dare I say a dating level. You know, you think about the data, the insights. I've, I've never used a dating app. I don't think I've needed to, to be fair. But, um, you know, that's uh, <laughs> why I just... I'm sure you don't, like throw, throw that Throw that in there until, until my wife starts, like, texting in. Um, but, you know, ultimately, if you think about it in that kind of simplistic way, 
what we're doing is we're, and it comes back to the point that you made at the top of the show and also Manuel did last time around, communication, the basics, is we want human interaction and we want to talk to each other, don't we? Oh, absolutely. You know, thinking about um, you know, when we kind of posted live on, on kind of LinkedIn a couple of days ago, actually one of the first people to to actually kind of like uh, the comment was a, was a candidate that, you know, I'd worked with back in 2009 and ultimately had a really good connection with, you know, didn't um, didn't kind of work together, didn't kind of place him anywhere. But, you know, even now, you know, I always kind of look to see how he's doing, what he's up to. And, you know, those kind of relationships have been built out through, you know, conversation, really understanding each other, really kind of getting each other. And yes, we do, unfortunately, share a, a, a painful sporting connection. Um, yeah. Com <laughs> painful sporting yeah. Connection. <laughs> yeah, yeah ab absolutely. Um, just probably a, a, a one, I don't, I'm, so anyone that knows me knows that I'm probably more into podcasts than I am into kind of reading books. But, you know, if you're looking at um, kind of business books around kind of culture and developing it, there's a great, uh, a great book on the All Blacks um, called Legacy. Uh, and I would definitely re recommend that for anyone who's looking to, you know, build a team, build a culture, you know, trying to become a, a better leader or a better manager, which I think we're all trying to do every day. Um, you know, that's just a, a, a top read. And I don't read often. I'll leave that to, to the better half who can read about five books a week. Um, uh, so, uh, you're, you're, so you're that's like Short Circuit. Do you remember that film, Short Circuit, when he used to just read books, the robot fella? He used to just read yeah. books, read books. Yeah, that's definitely not me either, to be fair. So, uh, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a really good tip actually. And I was, I was going to talk. You know, we, we we spoke earlier about kind of the the retention rate or the regrettable levers and, and the fact that you're ahead of your target as a business at the moment, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, but but is there anyone over your career that has kind of stuck out that you've lost and you think ah, oh, there's one that got away there or a few people that have got away? And actually, what did you learn from that experience in in the sense of? Right, we're not going to. We're going to make sure that we put this in place. Because you talked to me off air before about careers page that you've just developed, and you joke that you've turned into a bit of a kind of a UX person as well. But these elements are so important for EVP, as you talked about before. That actually, some uh, candidates that are coming to the website that they're looking, uh, you know, at, at the careers page, they know what they're looking for. That it, they're going to entice them in. So when you've got them, we want to keep that talent, don't we? Yeah, and it, it's not live yet, Lee. So don't go there, people. Um, it will be live. It will be live soon. It will be live soon. That, that's your perfectionist um, part coming in, making sure that it's all perfect before it goes live. It, it is. That's my that's my evenings kind of spent. So I guess probably not not a, not a one person that's kind of got away. But I think you know generally over the kind of course of my career, it's you know you look you you know very early on, and I still do that now. Where you think oh, I've got the perfect candidate here. They're the perfect fit. You know, this is exactly what the, you know, the hiring manager is looking for, whether that's in-house, whether that's RPO, whether that's, uh, you know, agency, that's a big focus of everyone. You think, right, got it, nailed. And actually, some of the, the big, um, I guess, kind of uh, resets that I have is when you think you've got it nailed and there's always that, yeah, but they're not, you know, from a cultural perspective, I think actually from a blend in terms of my team, they may not be the rest person. Yeah, you've 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 got it a hundred percent right in terms of ticking everything that the that we're kind of looking for. But you know, there's still that gap there around kind of uh, personality fit, cultural fit in the organisation, uh, and and everything else, which I think is um, so so important. And it's it's even more important now in in the in the world that we're in. 
what's really interesting come back specifically to you and your career so far is that you know i'm a big advocate of simon sinek uh and some of the work that he's done especially around why and again any any viewers or listeners uh if you haven't seen just google uh, simon sinek in the ted talk he does on on why start with why and it's fascinating stuff we, we've implemented that quite a lot actually in, in both of the businesses in in, in, in our ethos but actually coming coming to you in the sense of you know going into a business you know very very established as the cooperative bank rbs and a big massive organizations um and then f having to kind of re-engineer or change or transform certain processes or no, let's be honest hearts most of the time transformation and changes hearts and minds isn't it you mentioned about higher managers bringing in new technology higher managers that may say do you know what i've always done what i've you know it's always been all right with me so i'm just going to continue doing that how have you managed to kind of start to change and win them hearts and minds i think there'd be really good some tips around that yeah so i think so i think it's it's, it's twofold really so you know, I, I, absolutely. When I've gone in, you know, to, to teams or to join organizations, they're really, really super established. Um, you know, I do so many things well. I've got great people that work for them. So I think there's there's probably two elements. The first element, probably more focused, you know, on 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 um, you know, what I'd is that external view, always looking for for data, always looking at what the market is saying, always look, looking for intelligence. You know, really giving a um, putting a structure around that. So, you know, we talk about uh, we talk about a lot uh, uh, around kind of our RSPs, which are recruitment strategy plan documents that we we build out for each vacancy. So we're almost going into every single briefing so that this is what the market the market's telling us. You know, we've got hiring managers that recruit fairly frequently, and some that recruit you know once every few years. So it's it's ever evolving and ever. Changing. So that use of data to really inform is critical. And I think the second the second thing is really, um, and I think this is um, probably downplayed or underplayed um, by a lot of people, is actually just really focusing on the recruitment team. They're your voice when you're not there. They're your voice when you're, 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 you're kind of uh, not in meetings or on annual leave. They're your voice to candidates. They're your voice to hiring managers. So, you know, I think kudos to, to everyone in the recruitment industry at the moment for how you know, we've dealt with all the change over the last year. Keep going, keep energized, keep pushing, because I think, you know, we, we have such an important role to play. And I don't, I don't, um, you know, you look at what's happened over the last year and COVID and changes. Actually, there's there's recruitment teams out there that have, you know, been staffing in the NHS, have been, you know, staffing the kind of volunteering centers. You know, <laughs> recruitment is front, front and center of the growth, any growth in any industry in our country and get or globally. Getting that right is so so important, but I think the biggest focus for me is really focusing on the the talent acquisition team. Have you got the right people? Is the will there? Do they want to learn? Do, are they coachable? Are they really kind of you know brand ambassadors? You know, if you think about any candidate, yes, they'll be looking online, they'll be looking at uh, you know the careers pages and everything else, but the first time they'll interact with someone is the recruitment team. You know, you have to really support your team, uh, whether that whether that's an in-house team whether that's an rpo that you're partnered with or an msp that you're partnered with or if it's a an agency that you're working with you know i, I treat everything as an, a kind of an extension of the team and the world yeah. and we're all in this kind of together as a collective so i think that's the big the biggest focus for, for me is on when i go into an organization is the team 
Yeah, no, I love it. It's brilliant advice. Well, we've got loads of questions coming in, so a couple more. Um, I think Aaron's uh, decided to write a book uh, on uh, on LinkedIn, so I'll try and paraphrase. Uh, no offense, Aaron, but uh, he talks about um, you know the human elements can either uh, elements, so it can either go uh, either way, higher mentorship, support, gut feeling, that type of stuff. Um, he, he actually asked, what sort of blend of workforce does it look like for for, for you, Richard, in terms of? how you recruit contractors compared to permanent candidates? Is there any trends on uh, prediction of external workers, et cetera? So just touching a, a, around the kind of dynamic, really, uh, on that yeah. side of things. And also finishes off with saying, has COVID made a difference to the human element in, in the recruitment process? Cool. So yeah, yeah. Aaron's got some some really great kind of points there and great topics to cover. So, so thank you, Aaron, for your, your, your question. So um, I think, um, First point around kind of mix, mainly perm. Um, we've gone through a lot of organisational change over the last few years, which is, you know, it's, it's been tough and it's 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 been been kind of challenging. Um, but you know, when we look at mix, I would say that we our, our kind of contractor workforce is 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 kind of minimum now. Um, but they're they're really important. So whenever we're any kind of contractors in there, it is you know it's key hires to do with technology to do with you know, data, risk, anything regulatory. So we've got some really important, brilliant contractors that work for us. But but the pool overall is very small. It is very much kind of perm focused. Um, and we probably see that trend continuing. Brilliant. Um, and what about COVID side of things? Aaron just made the last point there about COVID. Uh, has it made a difference to the human element in the recruitment process? Uh, maybe, again, I'm paraphrasing a little bit for, for Aaron here, but maybe what what we've been finding is actually because because we've gone virtual do you lose an element of you know we, we've hired things 51 have actually hired nine people since uh, since we started when we started business in september and all of them have been virtual so we, we, you know we haven't met half of our half of our staff base we haven't even met them face to face so do, do you think that there's a there's an element there of kind of different flow points discussion points that sort of stuff that is lost because of that there, there absolutely is. I mean, I think that goes from not just from candidates when they're kind of coming in. I mean, I, I used to, you know, I, I love when I'm interviewing people actually kind of the, the walk to the meeting room or the, you know, when you first kind of meet, because I think you find out a lot more about, you know, the general kind of discussion ar 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 around that, talking to reception staff about how they've kind of treated treated them, etc. You, you're missing out on those elements at the moment. And I think those social skills are, are really important. But we're in a we're in a world now which is which is different and which is changing and um you know i think what we're trying to focus on trying to be well obviously it's mental uh mental health awareness week this week and you know God, it's been it's been a tough year 18 months for for everyone and Absolutely. you know people people are sometimes a bit zoomed out a bit videoed out so i think you've got to have kind of adaptable the way you kind of manage your, your teams and i think we do this quite well internally is um you know providing flexibility can it just be a call can you meet and go for a go for a socially distanced walk or coffee you know can you interact with people in different ways you know we've we've changed our kind of induction very quickly as most organizations did to you know for our contact centers they're still obviously kind of face face to face in some areas or some business areas there are but actually what can we do virtually we've got a brilliant training and, and, and development team that you know have supported the onboarding of new colleagues but it's even more important that we get the basics right you know getting laptops, getting all the IT kind of set up on, on kind of day one. What does it look and feel like to, to join the organization? You know, as you, as you said, I've got people in my team that have joined um, 
and I've, I'm not physically kind of met them face to face. You don't know. I was it's so I was, weird. I was chatting to a client the other day, and we was like saying, actually, we don't we don't even know how tall anyone is. It's, I know it's, it's such a weird thing, but it's it's true, isn't it? We don't know. We just everyone's just sitting. And, that, and that's crazy. Uh, I must apologise. Uh, it was John actually brought up the last point, not uh, not Aaron. So uh, uh, apologies for that. Um, uh, Alicia as well. Alicia, sorry, also uh, talks about the candidate commitment side. The, she she describes that she's finding it tough now um, because technology has made it easier um, for people to kind of buck out of interviews for want of an expression. But but actually, I, I don't know what your experience is on that. I think for me, I I want people to uh, to, to duck out. Um, because ultimately it tests whether or not they actually want the opportunity. Now, I've spent the last 10 years of my career talking to clients about don't chase the golden goose, right? Don't chase the golden egg. Like if they, if they don't want it, don't, don't chase them. You know, work with a talent that want to work with your business because they're the ones that are going to attain. But we've got an 82% retention rate using our technology across, uh, across our clients. And actually, the reason why it's so high and so healthy is because of them, them, them types of key things. So I thought, I thought that's quite interesting around your um, regretted, regretted highs or your retention rate being so high as well. Yeah, and look, it's a it's a great it's a great point that uh, Alyssa brought up there. So I think um, you know that that kind of one thing that is really missing is is can and this goes back to the candidate commitment point that we were talking earlier on is that natural deselection. Actually, do I do I really want this job? Uh, you know, you may kind of feel like you want it because it might be kind of progression or more money or, or or whatever your motivators are at that point as a, as a candidate but you know the reality might be so 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 different and actually sometimes you know having to complete something online having to commit to you know a presentation having to commit to you know traveling and turning up somewhere and taking time off work those kind of things that naturally deselect um we, we're not getting now so that's where the I think probably with most recruitment teams or, or most organisations are probably seeing an increase in terms of keeping candidates warm, having those conversations with people. And we don't we don't always get it right. There will be you know those people that kind of drop out, you know, and, and and don't start because I think, you know, I completely get it from a candidate side as well. Um, there isn't maybe there's not a lack of commitment there, but maybe sometimes it's the well I need I need to be working. I'm I'm kind of out of work. I've got bills to pay. You know, I've got all of the, I've got these three or four things that people are talking to me about. I don't dare deselect from one of them because I might not get the other three. This might be my least favourite, but, you know, ultimately I need to stay in the processes. So that deselection is definitely not there. Totally. And again, that comes back to attitude. To me, anyway, it comes back to attitude of the candidate, right? Is it actually, I'm going to stay in this process and really understand and find out if it's right for me and, and vice versa. Because I do think that sometimes clients or employers um, actually think it is a one-way process. Uh, you know, I'm sure they don't, but you know, sometimes it comes across like that. You will do everything that I want you to do, and then I will choose whether or not you're coming into my business. But actually, again, going back to EVP thing, I think a lot of people, certainly over the last couple of years, have started to realise, businesses have realised, actually, it's definitely a two-way thing. You know, we're not just going to go on a date, and then, uh, and then I choose whether or not I'm going to get a second date or not. It's a mutual choice, and it's the same with in, in the recruitment side actually is this business right for me do i want to work for phoenix 51 do i want to work for the cooperative bank actually i like their process i like the way they treat i like their values they align to mine it is a two-way process like that like that isn't it richard oh it, it, it absolutely is and i think um 
you touched on it, I can have a number of points there, which, you know, which are really kind of keyly. So, um, you know, from a, I think we've got a really strong EVP. So actually we're, we're kind of hitting the sweet spot, I think, in terms of what's happening in the world, in terms of waste, you know, being ethical, you know, some of, some of our kind of competitors have, have got, um, you know, said that they're not going to, you know, work with fossil fuel businesses by 2030. Actually, we're, you know, we've been, we're already doing that now. That's something that we've, we've kind of ingrained with us. We turned down business because of our, because of our kind of ethical policies. And, um, you know, I think we get, there's a certain type of person that, that buys into that and wants to be involved in that. And it, and it's really important. It's either really important to you or, or it's not, um, you know, back to your point about, um, you know, I think as an organization or as recruiters, you've got to take your, take your ego aside. You know, it's been, it's about being humble. It's about, you know, it's, it is a two way process. There is only one, you know, top of the, tree in terms of organization that you know i'm thinking of you know maybe apple that everyone would want to work for some different organizations everyone's got their their organization out there which would be the kind of golden ticket or the one that they would always want to work for i can think of two phoenix 51 and uh, the cooperative bank yeah uh, absolutely absolutely. i thought i was going to be a job offer there lee but that's (laughs) but no no i mean cooperative for me you know, I, I managed the RPO um, uh, a few years ago, left to manage other kind of clients and then came came back to the bank when it, you know, when I got very kindly kind of approached to to kind of set up and, and work with the internal function because those those values really, you know, I, I want my daughter to grow up in a world where, you know, the values that the bank possess, I, I want 90% of organisations to, 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 to embody. So, you know, being... Being diverse in terms of ideas and people, being really cooperative, listening to people, being a great citizen—all those kind of things are, you know, are naturally really in, in, important to, to me. Um, and I, you know, I think that's why, for for me, the cooperative bank is 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 kind of my apple or my Phoenix Fifty One, you know, yeah. because it is a, is a, is a, is a great fit for, for for me because you know those those are the values that I have, and you know, candidates will be drawn to that or not. No, completely agree. So, I mean, really popular today. So, we've got a couple more. Uh, we've got a couple more um, uh, questions that we want to go through, and I know that time is getting on. So, I really apologise. But Tina uh, mentions that she works in student employment uh, service at the moment, and uh, she tells the applicants, the candidates, all the time to take a job, to get the foot in the front door, to show the employer what they can do. But actually, I suppose our question really is: How easy is that in reality? You know, is is it easy to get your foot into the door? And, and, and show employers uh, what you can do. I think it's um, I think it's a it's a it's a great point, and I think you know we'd we'd all like to think it is easy, but I think challenges um, you know around what that kind of internal mobility and journey looks like. It's all well and good kind of taking the first step in, but I think you know. Um, it, you know, you're right. It does. You know, Tina's right. It does show in terms of kind of attitude and commitment on what you want to do. But sometimes, you know, you've got to think. Actually, is that a job that I'm going to be then pigeonholed in or kind of stuck in? Or you know, actually, is that um, or is it a great opportunity which I know will lead on to to what I ultimately do want to do or what you know uh, I kind of want to to um, ultimately where I want to kind of go. And actually, you know, we're in a recruitment industry where lots of people join it and it isn't naturally something that you know at the careers careers day um that someone would have brought up and want to, to kind of go into but you kind of 
fall into it or go into it because you have a great experience or because you really care about people and um, want to want to kind of you know help people. So I think it, it really depends on the organisation. Um, making sure if you do, you know, you do really if you're going for that kind of you know first step in and you're willing to kind of do an do do that kind of starting point job, which are you know a great great stepping stones in an organisation. We you know we've got a strong talent succession pipeline in terms of you know even you know, late last year when our we changed our kind of CEO it was our, our CFO that stepped up into the CEO role we then had our CEO move into the CFO so once you've gone through all those kind of talent moves and everyone else has moved around ultimately it's probably someone you know the, the gap will ultimately be will be um, you know the, the starting point or the entry point into the bank so that's why it's important that we get that get that right uh, as well. I think that's, again, it's a good point. We talked earlier about emerging talent and early careers and, and talent uh, programs at that level. And, and actually, of course, it's really important to get a balance for, for a recruiting throughout the, the structure of the organisation. But actually, if you can get that kind of that early careers point, that 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 um, that entry level point right, then you should be. And because of the values and beliefs, and you grow with the business, it should enable you to have future leaders of the business as well and again looking at that okay have we got programs in place that enable us to go into is Lee a future leader or is Richard a future leader or Tina a future leader and, and, and making that and that work I, I think showcasing the the attitude and actually realizing that if it's not the right thing for you now or you're not going to get the role then go away and um, be better you know, go do some volunteering for example go and get some experience if you can awake show that desire and then go back and say Look, Richard, I, I did this. You know, you, you advised me to do this, and I did this. And it actually bring, brings me into a good point about feedback. You know, one of the key things that we've built into our platform is automated feedback. So that actually, when you're looking at making sure that it's against the key behaviors, key competencies, uh, key values, if you like, against uh, against what you're what you're hiring for per job role across the organisation, you can actually get key feedback and data insights on that. And and, and actually. To, to the, the EVP that we talked about earlier um, uh, uh, earlier uh, before around making sure that people want to come to us and they've had a good experience. I can't tell you how many candidates or applicants have come away disappointed, but knowing that they've got um, knowing they've got fantastic feedback that they can go and improve. Is that something that you've also uh, embedded, if you like, in, into your process? feedback for candidates so they so they 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 know the reasons why they haven't done so well or where their skills gaps are but actually they can go again yeah and i think um uh i mean it's it's the number one if you think about over the years in recruitment it's probably the number one criticism of of any recruiter right is 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 kind of feedback and you know actually if it's on the agency side it's probably not the agency's fault it probably is the you know the, the business that's not providing it but God, I mean, it, it, it has never been more important. Um, you know, I, I you know, it's, it's different. And I think, um, you know, I've mentioned about kind of being authentic earlier, but, you know, our, our values in terms of kind of, you know, cooperative values in terms of treating people with respect and being colleagues. How could we, um, we could say that if we then not being, we have to be honest, we have to be transparent. Um, you know, you, I think here, um it's it's the it should be what everyone aspires to to do is provide really honest really great feedback it simply is not good enough to just say oh yeah you know pip to the post number two it's just late it's lazy it's lazy recruiting lazy and ultimately um business 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 and lead, leaders need to be held accountable 
candidate feedback, um, candidate journey. You know, you think about, uh, I know a few of your guests have been on from financial services. You, you think about um, ultimately candidates that we're kind of dealing with on a day-to-day basis could easily be, um, well, and hopefully be cooperative kind of bank account holders. So, you know, we've got to have yeah, that they're in they're mind. They're trying we've to consumers. That, that in mind as well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so ab- absolutely. Almost consumers as well. I remember talking to uh, to, to a huge telecommunications broadband provider, you guys and girls and uh, can work out who that might be. Um, and they said that they, they assess 22,000 people a year uh, to come into their business and they have no mechanism at all to showcase um, uh, feedback. And basically it was hurting their consumer brand or the consumer business because individuals would go back, they'd talk to their parents or whatever and they'd say, oh, I, I, I want to switch that off now because, you know, they, they didn't treat my son or my daughter very well, whatever it is, via their early careers program. So it does have a knock-on effect. And them sorts of things, again, coming back to that whole talent waste piece, them sorts of things are so difficult to matter, to um, to uh, to monitor. You, know, you, you won't know exactly if that consumer or that customer has left because of that experience. So you've got to make sure that the experience that you're providing to to the, to the applicants, to the candidates, to the talent pool is one of first class because if it isn't it could come back and hurt you somewhere oh, else yeah, yeah. It, it's money isn't it at the end of the day it comes back to it hurts you financially well it, it, easily easily it, it, you know you can draw the links there and i'm sure every organization would but i think you know when we're you know, roles might someone might go away, they might go elsewhere and actually now they're perfect for us but actually god we we didn't give them feedback you know two three years ago people People don't don't forget that, and you know, I guess to the other point around kind of talent waste, it's really important that you have honest conversations throughout that kind of performance cycle as well internally once they're in the business, because you know if you're not honest, you know, our, our, you know we can provide honest feedback in terms of shortfalls, but then actually if there's, you know, if we bring someone in, but someone in, and we know there's still gaps in terms of their career journey or what we want them to develop because we've hired on cultural fit rather than skills. You know, we bring them in and then ultimately there isn't a mechanism there to give them the skills they need to be successful. Totally. They will leave anyway, right? Totally. So, yeah, um, and it's, again, it's, it's interesting actually, isn't it? Because you, you, you look at kind of that, that, that journey after um, the recruitment phase, if you like, so that onboarding part and then, you know, their, their employee journey. And again, should we be continuously assessing our staff and continuously talking and trying to develop of course we should be. But again, what mechanisms have we got? How do we know? Are we still doing one-year appraisals? Or is it, you know, is it constant? Is it quarterly appraisals? Do appraisals even exist? Are they even just dated now? And actually, should we be constantly in communication and talking and looking and working around the data that we've got around the, not 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 the employees or um, performance, but actually their behaviours and their skill set whilst we're developing them? surely if we're going to use the data and the insights on the recruitment side surely we've got to be using the same data and insights for the employee journey haven't we Uh, oh god absolutely and i think you know when you're thinking about um when you're thinking about uh kind of colleagues and progression you know you've got to say that pride as a leader or as as a manager of people that actually you know i'm I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the leader or manager or whatever title is, is kind of now I'm here to support, um, every individual that works for me because, you know, yes, we've got to get work done. We've got deadlines. We've got things that we want to achieve, but actually that, you know, every single individual in every single team has got their own wants, desires, 
career path, things that they want to learn. And, um, you know, I think we're, you know, as a leader, you're a facilitator of that. So you can only facilitate that through honest, transparent conversations. And that might be someone leaving, leaving the business, but actually when they do leave, you know, it isn't because, um, you know, you've not been there, you've not been supportive, the opportunity maybe isn't, is not there. It may just be a timing thing. So I think, you know, as a leader, you need to take pride in that. And yes, you know, HR, talent, you know, recruitment, you know, all plays a big part in that. But everyone has a has a part to play in that in terms of leadership of, of, of management of people. So I completely agree. I mean, utilizing the tool to be able to like the, our platform, for example, Think Fifty One, to be able to assess live in live environments. You know, to to be able to see assess that not assessing their performance, but you're actually assessing their behaviour so that we can develop, so we can see them insights, so we can give them what they want. That development part. Why would they want to leave? Why would they go for an extra three, four, five grand somewhere else? when actually they're getting the actual development that they need against their key behaviors and competencies. I mean, it's phenomenal development. So being able to utilize yeah. this, I, I completely agree, completely. No, no, no one should come to their year-end appraisal, monthly appraisal, whatever you want to call it, and the conversation be a shock. Yeah. If they have, if, if, it, if it is, then that is down to you as a, a leader or as a manager of people that you have not been honest, transparent, authentic um, with how you're, you're kind of managing your your staff or functional people. So, um, you know, it's, it, yes, external feedback and external feedback to candidates is a, is a must. And, you know, no, no organization is perfect there or gets it, gets it right. Um, but I think you've got to have the desire to, to do that and to get it right and to hold each other accountable for that. So, you know, we hold hiring managers accountable. They'll hold us accountable if things aren't passed on correctly or, or quickly enough. So, you know, there's a, a joint accountability there. And, but when it comes to managing people, you know, be authentic, be honest, be transparent, all those things. Just think about actually, if it was a family member of yours, how would you want them to be treated? Yeah. And I think honest, honesty is the way forward. Is, would they say that honesty is the best policy? Uh, I'm sure that's been said many, many times. Well, look, we, we have had a phenomenal, I mean, I could talk to you for another two hours uh, and I'm sure our, our viewers and listeners could as well. I've got two more questions because I want to make sure that I get through the last couple of questions. Donald asks, sure. what is the best advice for interacting with people that, that have an awful personality um, or poor professional attributes? So may, maybe where Donald's coming from is, you know, people that can't, can't interact very well or they're not professional. What's the advice to... Uh, um, from you, Richard, to be able to uh, develop them individuals, or, or actually just to get on with them. I think it's, um, I think it's, it, you know, it's hard. It's hard, right? So, you know, we're in an industry where we're we're talking to to people all day long, and ninety nine percent of the people you absolutely love, build great rapport with. There's always going to be, you know, everyone's different. There's always going to be people that you know um, you, you don't get to uh, get on well with, or you know. Um, don't build that rapport and i think you've you know sometimes you need to reflect and take um take the emotion out of it take your you know they might support a, a different different team that wear red and white um you've got to take the emotion emotion out of the, out of that and um yeah i think we've given it away now who we support but um take the, take the emotion out of it and you know what i would say is uh, if you've got awful kind of you know personalities aren't really kind of you know, all those kind of things we spoke about, kind of cultural fit and, and importance, you know, you need to be honest with them and, and, and talk to them. And it's, it's, a, it's a tough conversation. So one of my um, first ever candidates that I met in the recruitment industry 
came in to, to meet me for kind of a, a, a briefing uh, and was due to go out to interview that that kind of afternoon. So it was a, it was a prep and uh, came in, just come from the gym, in gym gear, was planning on going to the interview in a custody bank in Canary Wharf in gym gear. And this is, you know, this is going back to 2007, eight when, you know, dress down wasn't really a thing and dressing for you day wasn't really a thing. So, you know, you have to be honest. You have to be, um, you have to be honest with people because otherwise, you know, you're doing them a disservice. And, you know, I, I think ultimately people then will come back to you and say, you know, yes, you may not have found that job for me or you may not, have, you know, I may not be working for, for you now, but actually I've taken that piece of advice you know it's it's hard we're in a we're in an environment where you know social skills and social interaction has changed so much over the last last few years and especially throughout my kind of working career and um you know honesty and transparency uh back to back to people is is really important i think that was was that, was that donald that asked that that question yeah, it was donald yeah exactly exactly i think that's a great, great 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 question yeah, it was. It was a difficult one. Look, I'm going to finish off um, uh, now, Richard, with, with Gary's question. Uh, Gary simply says, what do you think about organisations that actually allow talent waste because they believe a new broom will sweep clean? Um, and again, I think that we just want to put some, some context around it. When when uh, when we started talking at the beginning uh, of the show, uh, Richard, you talked about regrettable waste. And obviously my, my gambit around talent waste is always about uh, people that we don't want to leave the the, the business but but uh, i mean gary's talking about it in, a, in a little way so actually it's fine to let people go because actually we're, you know out with the old in with the new almost is is, is what gary's saying do you still think that exists and do you still think that's that's healthy or unhealthy i mean it probably does still still exist if, if, if i'm honestly so uh it's a, it's a great point uh gary that you asked there and i think um you know it, it it's, it's an interesting one. I, I think it's a really expensive way to do business. Um, very, so, very you know, if you've got if you've got loads of cash to burn, and and ultimately, you know, you you'll want to take a lot of time with hiring people, knowing that and training people and developing them, knowing that two months later they're going to be working for a competitor. Then, then that's the way that's the way forward. C completely. But I mean, I'm surprised. I'd be surprised if if most organisations looked at that as a as a, as a as a positive um if not i guess it depends on the industry and, and what what your kind of approach is as a business but i think if you're looking to be around for a long time as an organization you need great people to stay with you for a long time for 100 and again that's how you grow that culture in the first place isn't it you'll never get to that evp or you'll never get to a culture of inclusivity and and, uh, and development if that's if, if you're always sweeping clean um, and I've just put some numbers on that. We had the wonderful John Hull uh, on the Talent Way Show, third episode. You can still get it on Spotify. And they've done some analysis within the nationwide that basically suggests for every one percentage point, cost £100,000. So for every 1% of staff leaving, £100,000 cost. Uh, if you work out on the Office of National Statistics, even taking the you know 30% of return, uh, turnover in year one on a business that have hired 100 people, CIPD stating £12,000 per bad hire, plus all of their hidden costs that you don't even see, you're talking over 350, 360, 70, 80 grand a year just on that. So like I completely agree, it's a very, very expensive way. Um, and, and actually, if we invested in some, some technology, if we invested in some development, if we invested in some people to actually coach and develop, you could probably save at least 70% of that 
um, back into your bottom line and actually develop a better EVP and a better working environment by doing it the other way. So, um, yeah. yeah. I, 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 apologies, apologies to John or to Nationwide if, if we're, we've we've kind of taken any of that one percent but um you know, I'm, I'm sure i'm sure i'm sure they've i'm sure i'm sure they've taken people from, from, from us as well and it's a, it's a great business for sure for sure well uh, on that on that uh, on that note uh richard um i've had some comments on here um i can't read them out i think one one person says hush hush uh but don't tell anyone else but this has been the best show so far so that's probably the biggest compliment that, that can be paid richard you've been an absolute superstar thank you so much for coming on uh, I hope we can uh, we can stay in touch and get you back on in one of our future shows when when we complete our mission. And to everybody watching and of course listening, you can catch up on uh, on YouTube. You can catch up on Spotify as a podcast version as well. Uh, go and tell your friends. Go and tell your family. We we are on a mission to find out whether talent waste actually exists. And Richard today has provided us with some key information to suggest. Do you know what it does exist? And we are on the right mission. Thank you ever so much, Richard. Thanks, Lee. Really appreciate it.